How's everyone doing this week? Yeah, thumbs up. Thanks, Chris. Um, so last, last week, uh, as part of our series that we're in, we, we looked at what being a disciple, a Talmudin of Jesus means. Can you remember the word? We were talking about the word, the Hebrew word Talmudin. That's, that's the, the word that was used in the Gospels for disciple. And, and what was, we were saying, what was the word that in our English language best sort of uh, defines what a Talmudin is? Anyone, any of you kids remember? What did we say? What, was the, what did it best speak about or, or in the English language? What word would that be? Can't mouth it to your kids, Jen. <laughs> nice try. But she said it, apprentice. So like, how many of us know what apprenticing means? You say, yeah, I, I get what like, it means to be an apprentice. How many of you have been an apprentice in some respect in your life? Yeah. Right? Lots of us have been an apprentice in various ways and learning something. And so that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I, I concluded last week, we talked about that the way of Jesus is a way of life. And I think that's really, really important for us to put before our minds. The way of Jesus is a way of life. It's not simply a set of ideas or beliefs. If, if we think that's what it is, we won't understand what it means to follow the way of Jesus. And so the way of Jesus, and this is what we said last week, the way of Jesus following that way is going to take a lifetime of practice. It's, it's about incremental but intentional steps. So, it, it, you know, it takes time, but it's intentional. It's like I'm going in this way. I am following the way of Jesus. And so this morning is very much a continuation of that. Um, we're going to talk about this idea about practicing the way of Jesus. So there's, we're, we talked about following the way of Jesus. Now, what does it mean to practice the way of Jesus? Jesus says several times in the Gospels, we read where he says, Come and what? Come and follow me. Right. Come and, and what are you saying there? In our, like English lingo, guys, if you're like, come and hang out with me. Come and be with me. Come and learn from me. Like, be with me and, and do life with me. That's what Jesus was talking about. Learn to be like me. And, and the question that I ponder, and I think many of us would ponder and contemplate, is something along the lines of this then. How does that work now with Jesus? Like, do you ask that? Like, how, like what does it mean now to hang out with Jesus? How, how do we become and be like Jesus now, he's not physically here on this earth anymore. He was when he said that. He's now gone to, the, to, to be with his father. He's in eternity. He's in heaven. But he's still like, so what does it mean to, to hang out with him? Well, Jesus tells us, and this is, this is what I love about where we have this in the word, John 14, 16. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. To be with you, he says, forever. How long? How long, Samuel? How long? Just till tomorrow? How long? How long? How long, Amelia? To be with you? Forever. Thank you. Forever. So, and he says, I'm going to give you a helper. An advocate, he says. 
That's another, that's what that word means, an advocate or a counselor. Now, it's difficult to translate from the Greek, actually, that word that Jesus is using there. That's why, like, there's various uses of that word in, the, in various translations, advocate, helper, all that stuff. And what it can also mean, this, and this is where it gets really cool, it can mean can another like me or another one of me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you another one of me. Now, we're not going to get into, like, the whole Trinitarian doctrine this morning. That would be kind of cool, but we won't go down that, that uh, trail. That's maybe for another time. But he goes on to promise, after he says, I'm going to give you another one of me, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Those who keep my commandments and love me, he says, I will manifest myself to them. He will manifest himself to you. Whoa. He says, and the Father and I will make our home with them. The Father and I will make our home with them. Like abiding with them, being with them. Those are incredible promises. Like rock your world kind of promises. Then John 14, 27, he says, the, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. That's, that's the promise there. When he's speaking about that, that's the promise of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That peace comes via, through the Holy Spirit. And then, so, the way that we can be with Jesus today is how? How do you be with Jesus today based on that? Via Who? The person of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's been given to us, another like me. And so, the first and primary goal of apprenticeship, following this thread of apprenticeship to Jesus, is awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. That's the way we be with Jesus. So, that was just sort of a bit of an introduction. Let's read this morning together. John 15, verses 1 to 11. Very well-known passage. I want to unpack this a little bit for us as it talks about apprenticeship. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Isn't that an incredible 11 verses? Like, it's, 
it's, it's so, they're probably some of my favorite verses in all the New Testament. They're so incredible. That, that word there that, that the ESV uses, abide, or the NIV and I think the NLT uses remain in me, is the Greek word meno. Not like we're all, hey, a bunch of menos, but it is. It's the Greek word meno. It's used ten times in those verses. You can go and count them. Ten times Jesus uses the same word. Like he's, he's drilling home to the disciples and to us. Remain in me. Abide in me. Connect with me. Stay at home. That's another meaning of that word. It means that, you will, that, that I will be at home. You will be at home in me. Abide. He says, when you meno in me, kind of, <laughs> every time I hear I'm like, when you meno in me, you can go away with a whole new understanding this morning of meno. When you meno in me, you will bear much fruit. He says, apart from me, what? You can do nothing, he says. Like it's, like, he's not like, well, you might be able to do something and you might like, you might get by a little bit. No, you do nothing. Like there's no fruitfulness, Jesus says, apart from me. But verse 8, he says, you will bear much fruit and therefore prove to be my disciples. Now, I actually appreciate the NIV here where the NIV says, show yourself to be. Because it's not a competitive, or oh, you better prove it. Like, like we can, and we can take that as a different way, right? Like, you better prove that you're a disciple of Jesus. You better, like, no, that's not Jesus saying. You just, look, it's, it's just... We're to show ourselves as Talmudim of Jesus. Like, we're apprentices to his way. We're just, we're simply, this is about simply living faithfully to the way of Jesus. It's not about like some competitive, oh, I'm doing it better than you. No, no, it's not that. So, verse 4 says, he says, abide in me and I in you. So, in, in this light... What does it mean to practice, to apprentice to the way of Jesus? What does it mean to, to do this? Well, the first is the need, to see the need for presence. And I, I contemplated this. Like, what, what adjective do you use? Like, like we could, do we need to embrace the need for presence, understand the need for presence, know the need for presence, see our need for presence, receive our need for presence, pursue our need for presence? Like, I was just going through adjectives. Like, how do we communicate the depth of our need for presence when Jesus, what he's saying out of these verses. And so I'm there, like, just pick one of those or take them all. Just understand your need for presence. Abide in me. So the point for us in following Jesus' way is, again, and I know I've, I've kind of banging on this drum, but get into the Father's presence. Like, just want, I just, we just want to be in the Father's presence. Like, all the time, through just the stuff of life. And it's not always easy, and there's, there's yucky stuff, and there's tough stuff, and it's like, but you can be in the Father's presence. You can be pursuing the Father's presence. Because why? We need communion with God. You need communion with God. Brother Lawrence, how many of you have heard of Brother Lawrence at all? 17th century. Anyone heard of Brother Lawrence? He was like a, a monk. Um... He, was, he served in a, a French monastery, and he wrote a, a book that still resonates to this day called The Practice of the Presence of God. 
And, you know, back then it was really cool to get, like, it was, you got up and you, really early in the morning is when you, you kind of sat with God's presence and you just made room for him. And, and Brother Lawrence, he put forth this idea, and he was just a cook, but he put forth this idea like, everything I'm doing, every single thing I'm doing, day in and day out, every hour, I am called to the practice of the presence of God. So whether I'm serving a bunch of hungry monks or whether I'm early in the morning, there's no difference in the presence of God and needing to be in the, the presence of the Father. And so, you know, it, it, it sort of, for me, brings up this, like, do I ache? Do I crave the presence of God and relationship with the Holy Spirit in my life? Like, is there an ache in me? Is there this desire? Like, I need, I want to encounter and embrace the presence of God. I came across a Dallas Willard quote a little bit ago, and I've, since I've stuck it in the corner of my bathroom mirror, um, and I try to remind myself every morning to look up at this quote and just remind myself, because it's a profound truth. This is what it's, he says. The first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. So soul care, that's the most, keeping God before our mind. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. I need to constantly remind myself, redirect your mind to God. Paul, redirect, redirect, redirect. You're getting sidetracked, redirect. Then he says this, in the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome <laughs> burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. You know what that means? You're distracted. I'm distracted. And constantly being pulled to distractions. So, but he says, but these are habits, not the law of gravity and can be broken. That's so good. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward being. You know what that means? Basically, the pole star, everything revolves around God everything. I'm just constantly needing to redirect myself so that everything in my life is pointing to God. What is the, this quote reminds me, pursuing God, having a constant awareness of Him, connection to the Holy Spirit, all that, it takes a lifetime of practice. This is about repetition. This is about, this is how I will become more like Jesus. And I think we need a revelation of how God's presence in your everyday life, when you encounter God's presence, it enriches you like nothing else. There is nothing else, not even close, that will enrich you and fill you. So Jesus says that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. There's nothing that enriches like the presence of God. And so, where we're, you know, we need to see this because where we're 
so we're not constantly gravitating to lesser things that will never satisfy but will always distract you. There's a million things that will never ever satisfy you. You think at the beginning they will, and they will but they will always distract you. And so this is where the gift of, of spiritual disciplines or the practices of Jesus, they play this, this crucial and transformational role in our lives. And maybe as, as others have noted, and I think this is helpful, where uh, spiritual disciplines maybe is a bit of an older term. Maybe today the best way to understand this is just habits. The habits that I will have in my life as it comes to practicing the way of Jesus. And that, so it's the habits of Jesus that will grow my spiritual life. And, and from my understanding of Scripture and everything Jesus says, I, I would propose that these are they're key they're essential and they're non-negotiable if you want to experience the constant presence of Jesus in your life. This, this, is, this is where it's at in the Gospels. And so these practices or these habits would include, uh, and there's a list like silence and solitude in your life, prayer, fasting, being in the Word of God constantly, consistently, Sabbath-keeping, life in community, all those things. And, and you know, in centuries past, when people came to follow Jesus, when they came to make that decision, this was the starting point given to them. It, it wasn't like, hey, you know, hey, you should like maybe come to our church sometime, or hey, you should like, you know, what do you think? You want to join a home group? Like, hey, that would be kind of cool. It wasn't that. That actually wasn't. It was, this is, this is how you're going to grow your life in Jesus. Here's the practices for you. If you want to grow and you want to become like Jesus, this is how we practice the way of Jesus. And they would just, they'd be given the list. Now, you hear that list and you go like, all of these though are a means to an end. Like, just, just bear with me here for a second and track with me. Is the point of reading your Bible to read your Bible? Is the point of reading your Bible to read your Bible? Is it, is it to know your Bible? Like, is the point of reading your Bible that you would know it better? No. Like, those are good things. That's not ultimately the, the point at all. The point is that you would actually come to follow the way of Jesus. That you would be with Jesus. That as you're reading the Word, as you're in the Bible, you're going, God, you're here in your Word, and now I'm here. And now I'm meeting with you, and I'm going to become more like you through the reading of your Word. So all of, all of these practices, silence, solitude, fasting, all of those things, they serve a specific end to turn your hearts, your minds, your bodies, your imaginations to the Holy Spirit and to his presence. All right, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. In John 14, 17, just before this, Jesus had also spoke about the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And he said, you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. The second way that we practice the way of Jesus is keep rooted in the source. I am the vine. You are the branches. So within, within Galatians 5, 
It's probably one of the most well-known passages and probably one of the most important passages in the New Testament. Yes, all of Scripture is inspired, but there's parts of Scripture that are more important than other parts for us, and, and they direct us and our lives. And so in Galatians 5, we find this list of the fruit of the what? Fruit of the Spirit, right? And, and contrary to what many of us have believed and have been taught, this is not a list of commands that you're given to be more virtuous. Like, here's the list, attain to this. There's actually not a single command in all of Galatians 5. It's not even a command. And, and I, I think that we have a tendency, and I have been guilty of insinuating this at times from this very place. I think I've insinuated this, that we see this as a list in Galatians 5 that we need to grow in our lives and have more of in our life. And actually, I think that that's a huge misunderstanding of what Paul is talking about in Galatians 5. Because do you know that you have a limited supply of willpower in your life? Actually, a very limited supply of willpower. Probably, like a lot of us, by 8 o'clock in the morning, our willpower is dissipated, gone. It's true. We have a very limited supply within ourselves. Some more than others, yes, but we are still, still all vastly limited. So, that list, the wonderful list in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, did I miss one? I don't think so. Self-control. So you can act more, fill in the blank. You can act more loving. You can act more joyful. You cannot, though, be more joyful. You cannot be more kind. Oh, track with me here. The fruit of the Spirit is not a matter of the will. Like, you're going to get down to business now, and you're going to decide that going forth from here, I'm going to be more loving and more kind and more gentle. And you get home, and by 2 o'clock this afternoon, you've yelled at your spouse, or you've yelled at your kids, and you're like, how's that going for you? And you're like, shoot, I screwed up. Like, you can't do it, actually. This is not about just buckling down. This is about an inner disposition of the heart once transformed to be more like Jesus. So this is why Paul bookends what he says there in Galatians 5, verse 16 and verse 25. He says, he bookends it with the same command. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Verse 25, keep in step with the Spirit. This is not about willpower. It's about following the Holy Spirit in our lives, seeing the need for the Holy Spirit in our lives as we partner with God to work in us. And it's interesting there in Galatians 5, Paul is tying in his thoughts into the exact same metaphor as John 15 and abiding. Fruit being produced. So, how, how is this fruit spoken of in Galatians 5? How is it produced? Like, is it just by your sheer willpower and your effort that you're going to get down to business and you're going to somehow have more of this in your life? Like, as fruit is growing on a tree, do you see that tree as it's going through the process just straining? Like, 
all with all its might. Gonna, I'm going to produce this apple, the tree says. Like, do you see that tree contorting with will and like going that extra mile to produce the fruit? No. You know, the apple just shows up, right? The fruit just, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, look at those apples. They're there. They were produced. You see nothing. All you see is progress and evidence of the fruit. And it's obvious as you see that the branches that are producing fruit are connected to the source of the tree. The first and primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. He is given to us for how long? How long? Forever to connect with Jesus. So let's, let's bring it... Yeah, so what, well, yeah, we'll bring it back. Well, what Paul is saying in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, it has nothing to do with human effort. Which, and, and it's interesting, you read the rest of Galatians. Paul makes really clear in Galatians, this is not about your effort. This is all about the work of the Spirit. But he, what he's stating is what the Holy Spirit there produces. He's just saying, look, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit produces. And the command is to what? To walk and keep in step with the... Why? Because this is what the Holy Spirit produces. So if you want this, keep in step with the Spirit. So let's bring it back to John 15. What does it mean to practice the way of Jesus? Verse 11. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So the third way we practice the way of Jesus is we live like Jesus. Very simple. We live like him. How do we do this? How, how do you experience the ongoing presence of God in your life? Day in, day out, amidst challenges, frustrations, distractions of life, how? how? How do you have joy that isn't dependent on your bank account, on the latest Amazon purchase that you've clicked on, or how your emotions are doing, or whatever? How do you have joy that isn't dependent on what this world offers you? And there's a plethora of distractions. How do you have this right now that Jesus says, my joy may be in you, your joy, my joy, your joy maybe full, how do you have this amidst the chaos, the uncertainty, the restrictions, and all the stuff that's going on right now? If you want to experience the life of Jesus, all of us, we have to adapt the lifestyle of Jesus. He came to teach us how to live. He didn't come to give you a bunch of verses to memorize, to know, and go, oh, now I'm good. He came to teach us how to live. This is about practicing the way of Jesus. So, say, oh, simple, live like Jesus. Sounds really simple, right? Not without profound implications in a world that largely doesn't want to live like Jesus. And I think one truth staring the church right now in the face for all of us is we want the life, but we don't want the lifestyle. 
which is indicative of a materialistic image-obsessed culture. Just give it to me, but I don't want to actually have to do anything. The truth is that our lives is a byproduct of whatever our lifestyle is. There's a a well-known saying in business, your system is perfectly designed to get you, to give you the results you're getting. So what is the fruit that you are producing in your life? And are you content with that? Like I'm not, and I'm not asking you like here in the midst of people where we're, we're all now prone to put on a nice face and go, yep, and, and we all like, we want to all project like we're all doing well. No, I'm talking about like when you're in by yourself and you're struggling and you're wrestling with things and there's things that you feel deep inside yourself and you're, are you content with that? Right now we live in a world of anxiety. Like we were, ju- we were discussing this as elders last week where we live in such a reactionary, anxious, explosive culture right now. And all of us, we were talking about how all of us are influenced by this. Like we're feeling the pull of this in culture. Just even in the way that, like, the way that we're functioning. We, we're feeling the pull of this. One reason why I've just, like, I've significantly reduced my social media presence because I just, it's just not good. But so many of us feel stressed by so many things in our lives. So Jesus says, my peace I give you. Sounds great, right? My peace I give you. It says it right in his word, does it not? My peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Okay, great. He said it. He promised it. We want it done. But, but we, like, we feel the disconnect, don't we? We feel the disconnect of this in our lives. Why? Because just knowing and believing the right words is not what gives you the peace of Jesus. It's practicing the way of Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus, being a Talmudim of Jesus, calls you to live like Jesus, basing the template on your, of your life on the life of Jesus. And so peace is a byproduct of your apprenticeship to Jesus. It's really challenging, right? Like, I, I get it. I'm, I'm teaching this from the Word, and I, I, this is truth, and I love it. But this is, this is a challenge for all of us because we know peace is a byproduct of our apprenticeship to Jesus. See, Jesus is divinity and he's humanity in the same place. He lived in his humanity. He modeled how to live in community and in our humanity. So we have to ask, what was Jesus like? What does Scripture tell us about how Jesus lived? What do we see? Well, he was never in a rush. He, he was unhurried. He, he spent lots of time in community. He liked to eat food. He liked to be at parties. He liked to hang out with people. But he also liked to have lots of alone time. There was an equal balance of that. He, li- he actually spent a lot of time sleeping. There's multiple accounts in the Gospels of Jesus simply sleeping. He practiced 
the Sabbath. He was at synagogue every Sabbath. Why, why did the New Testament churches and, and the writers of the New Testament place such an importance on gathering as the people of God? Because they're modeling the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus to gather, to be in the presence of other believers. And Jesus was at peace. Oh, sorry, he also lived a simplistic life. That's really important too. He didn't get caught up in materialism and consumerism. He was at peace. Now, don't quickly default to, oh yeah, but Jesus was God. He's God. Yeah, of course he was at peace. He was fully God. Yeah, he was also fully Jesus of Nazareth. Fully human. You could argue that Jesus' life in the first century was a tad bit rougher than yours. So many of us might say something like, like this, or we might think like, well, I pray, I go to church, I ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Why do I feel so anxious and stressed? Well, we're busy. Like, digital addictions are through the roof now. Buying too much, filling weeks way too full. I, yeah, COVID maybe has, has you know, brought some of that down a little bit. But it's added a lot of other stresses to our lives now as well. And so the question is, where are we looking to be filled rather than looking to who can fill us? There's a massive study that was done a little while ago. 100,000 people this study involved. And it was all about people and behavior on their phones. And they found the amount that we reach for or touch our phones daily. Like a, there's 100,000 people. So before I tell you the numbers, I want to ask, do you think that phones, digital devices, form us in our world? I would say 100% digital devices are forming us now. The median number, meaning the average, that people touch their phones daily, so this is the average, <laughs> was 2,617 times a day. For an average of 76 sessions per day, they were on their phones for an average of 145 minutes or about two and a half hours a day on average. Heavy usage in the study was almost twice that number. And you, we wonder why we're stressed and why we're anxious. Dallas Willard says this, he says, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. The point in this is not to guilt trip us. All of this. We're in this reality. We're in this culture. I have an iPhone. I'm on social media. I touch my phone's phone probably way too many times per day than I want to admit. I certainly wouldn't want that tracked. Um, it's a challenging time that we're living in. But we need to hear, and this is why we need to hear it so much right now. The lifestyle of Jesus is the way 
to the life of Jesus. The overflow of Jesus' life, the overflow that he had, the fullness of joy, the peace that he carried, that he experienced, was the result of his inner disposition that came by abiding with the Holy Spirit, being with his Father. And I, I do hope that, that our, our ache and our desire and longing is, how, how do I begin or how do I increase to have, to live this life that Jesus offers and promises? How, how do I begin to have systems in my life that give me the results that I desire? How can I apply this to my life? So I want to I provide for us both a long-term and a short-term response to this. An application, if you will. Practices that to offset the tide of culture because there's a huge tide of culture and practices, these habits play a vital role in forming us to Jesus. So long-term, long-term outlook, assess your life, assess your schedule, assess your plans, and ask, where do I need to simplify to what really matters? What is Jesus saying to me? And begin to add in the practices of Jesus. Not, not all at once, because you, you can't do this all at once. It can't be like, oh, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this tomorrow. And it's gonna be. This, this takes practice. It takes time. It takes a plan of action. But begin to assess and begin to integrate silence and solitude, prayer, fasting, life and community, Sabbath, simplistic living. That's probably a hard one for us. How do we how do we do that? And then short term, so meaning this week, I wanna, wanna offer this to you. If you wanna if you wanna grow in encountering the way of Jesus this week, put aside ten minutes daily for silence and solitude. Meaning, before you go and open your Bible, before you get into just listing a bunch of prayer requests to the Lord. Take 10 minutes to just quiet yourself, to wait, to listen, to welcome the presence of God, and to just enjoy God's presence. And you will be amazed when you are facing anxiety, when you're facing stress, when you're facing things, and you just 10 minutes, and you focus on Jesus. It's amazing what it does. I usually, I love to do this early mornings. It usually for me involves my Chemex because uh, I love coffee and just sitting there enjoying the presence of Jesus. And so I, I mention that because it's good to actually begin to form a habit of meeting with Jesus. It's a habit. Like there, I very much have a habitual plan and tendency to get up and to be with Jesus because I really need it. And it's become like, it's, like, it's just, like I, this is what I do. This is, this is what I do. Create traditions around it. That's, my, my tradition is my Chemex. For you, it might be something else. But I, I even, even just the slow pouring, smelling the beans, and just waiting, and just do, that, the whole thing is a tradition for me to enter into, in the quiet of the morning, enter into the presence of God very intentionally and it's so helpful in formation 
All right. Next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to look at formation. We're going to tie this in a little bit, and we're going to go and look specifically about the Word of God and how the Word of God plays into our formation. And I'm, I'm excited for that as well. There's some, some really rich stuff in there in John. All right. Let's pray. Father, we, we love your presence. We need your presence. Your presence heals us. It calms us. It brings us joy like nothing else. Your presence is so, so good. We want to receive that in our lives. Jesus, we want to learn from you. We want to follow your way. And so we're asking for you to help us in a culture that is very different. We ask you to help us to follow your way as your apprentice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. We thank you. We love you, Lord. Amen.